Hi, Kimber. Me, Kimber. Radio broadcast episode nine. Uncle Salty told me. I begin with a question, a smart alecky one from SMB. He asks, How is Pi, P I, related to Pi, P I E? Well, you can't have Pi, P I E, without Pi, P I, but you can have Pi, P I, without Pi, P I E. But would you really want to? Just as you can have Aerosmith without Kimba, but you can't have Kimba without Aerosmith. If you're from these parts, South Florida, you may know of my love slash obsession for the band and in particular Steven Tyler. This is kind of going to be a, a love letter, a love cast to him, the band, really the power of music. And there's going to be a lot of visuals. So while you can certainly listen and get the gist of everything I'm talking about, and I appreciate it how you listen either way, but if you want to see the accompanying photos or videos, youtube.com slash herkimba is where you can find those. What Aerosmith did for this poor little girl out of Carroll City cannot be overstated. They are instrumental in me doing what I do for a living or did on the radio, not the least of which so that I would have the chance to meet them. And that worked out really well, by the way, as you'll eventually hear. It started in my living room, though, in Carroll City when I was a kid. My brother listened to a lot of music blasting from his room, and usually it was some form of rock. There had just been a sun shower, and the couch went along the sliding glass door. So I was leaning over the back of the couch, looking outside, and there was there were water droplets on the grass, and a lizard was making his way back out. And it was a very daydreaming kind of visual that was going on. And then the audio that was wafting out of my brother's room was, ooh, it's a sunny day outside my window. And it was repeating. And it so fit the view. And just the way it was being sung, and it was lulling and, and hypnotic. And it really just was the soundtrack for what I was seeing. I didn't ask him who it was or what the song was because I was a kid and I was just basking in the moment of it. And I remember it so vividly because of what happened not too long after. I was at a record store with my mom. Record stores, in case you haven't heard. They're brick and mortar buildings where you used to have to buy your music. You had to, you couldn't download, stream. <laughs> you had to actually go buy the physical records. So I was, my mom told me I could buy my very first 45. And I'm looking in the bin, and I'm, I'm assuming it was. They used to have a bin where they'd have the popular songs of the time. So I'm looking through that, and I find Wild Cherries play that funky music. And the 45 itself was this cherry red color. Cool, huh? So I have that. And then I see another one, and the 45 is a, a band called Aerosmith, and the song is Walk This Way. And I start to wonder, oh, is that the song I've been hearing on the radio lately? Because I really liked it, but I didn't know who sang the song. So I have Wild Cherry in this hand, and I have the Aerosmith 45 in this hand. I know the Wild Cherry song. I don't know if this is a song. Which one did I buy? Well, if you guessed the Aerosmith walk this way, <laughs> go to the next round. Fate, maybe, that I would buy a record I wasn't even sure if I knew. So I get home, and I put it on, and I'm like, oh, yay, it is the song I've been hearing on the radio. Lucky me. Then after I listen to it, I decide to flip it over just to hear what the B-side is and it's a song titled Uncle Salty. Put it on, go to listen to it. About a minute 30 in, I hear, Ooh, 
it's a sunny day outside my window. And it was snip the tether, part the clouds. I'm done. I'm home. That eureka moment of I am on to something here. So later, when I learned what the song was actually about, it's pretty amusing. It's actually actually a very depressingly sad song lyrically, but that's also to the power of music. That particular lyric in that moment worked for that moment without even knowing anything else. So 45s too, by the way, don't have usually, sometimes they do, but they didn't have photos. So I had no idea what the band looked like. And this particular, this was released in... November of 76. The original Walk This Way was released, and this is a significant date, August 28th, 1975 is when Walk This Way was released as a 45. It had a different B-side. When it was re-released in November of 76 is when it had Uncle Salty as the B-side, and it went on to become a hit in early 77. I wanted to hear more. I didn't have money. You know, I could, I got 145, my very first, woohoo! A friend in school had the A-track of Aerosmith's self-titled first album, so he lent it to me, and I listened to that so much that I can still hear where the songs click in my head when I'm listening. I can hear the the fade out <laughs> when the songs would go to the next track, which is how A-tracks worked. Also, I kept it way too long. I, I have one. I have the A-track of their self-titled CD, but I don't... I know I returned his. I have no idea where I got this one from. Eventually... I would get the latest Aerosmith albums for my birthday or for Christmas because that's pretty much what all I would really ask for. And it was one of the rock magazines when I finally saw what Steven Tyler, what the band looked like. And that was it, though, when I saw him. I wasn't even a teenager yet. He was a grown man. But woo, instant, the connection to the band and the, and the man, visceral, beyond anything I could rightly explain, unless you feel that way about a band then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it was a while before I saw him other than One Dimensional, like on an album cover or a magazine, Hit Parade or Cream, Circus. There was no MTV. There was Don Kirshner's rock concert and there was Midnight Special where they would show rock bands performing. So it was Friday night, Midnight Special. I don't remember which song it was, although I want to swear it was Draw the Line. All I remember was I finally saw them moving. It's alive. And I was so excited and I wanted to scream bloody murder, but it was midnight and my parents would have killed me. So I had my best friend on the phone and I was jumping around my living room, whisper screaming, ah, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like that. And then the only other time I got to see him move for quite some time was in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band when that movie got released into theaters, which was 1978, to see him on that huge screen. Well, the entire band, but him. Strawberry Fields never had it so good. That's all I'm saying. And that's kind of how it went for a while. Years go by. I listen to them constantly. But given where I am, poor girl in Carroll City, and given who they are and where they are, famous rock stars, I have no delusions I will ever meet them. Well, dream I will. I dream that I will. And as a teenager, I had a uh, cockatiel that I had for 31 years, and I listened to Aerosmith so much during that time, during my teenage years, I did not realize how much until early 2000s, car companies running an ad and they're using Dream On. My bird went nuts. I didn't make the connection initially, but then every time it would come on, Gnarly would freak out. Yes, his name was Gnarly. And... So I finally realized what was going on when my friend came over because they played that commercial a lot. I 
told her what was happening. She didn't believe me. And then it came on again. He did it again. You need to record that. You need to send it to Aerosmith. I did record it. I never sent it to them. I And I can't play it for you now because of copyright. It's got Dream On blasting in the back. But I do have it. My first time seeing them in concert, February 2nd, 1980, at the Hollywood Sportatorium. I have seen them every time they've played since, except I think one time I missed them. I also traveled to see them, and I knew, I knew I had seen them two nights in a row at the Sunrise Musical Theater, and I was almost positive it was the Back in the Saddle Tour. When I went searching on the internet, I could only find December 18th, 1984. I know I I went two nights in a row. Well, then I went into my ticket stubs, I dipped into them, and voila. Yes, they also played December 17th as well. I wore white pants that I took. Uh, they're called, it was called Artex, and they were these paint pens. And I painted all my pants all up in Aerosmith and wore these pants with their logo and all kinds of stuff, the band members' names I put on the pants. And then also back in the 80s, the... Dade and Broward, the county fairs were a big deal. And the booths would always, they would always have a booth with rock stuff. Band mirrors or silk banners. I have several of both. And I draped myself in the silk banner while wearing the Artex logo pants. So I was a walking logo. I'm sure I look completely sane. Everybody's got their something. This was mine. And I was willing to wait. And wait I did for... March 28th, 1986, the Dunwood Mirrors Tour, that was also at the Hollywood Sportatorium. I had a shirt custom made, and it had Steven Tyler's face and the Aerosmith logo on the front, and then it has Lord of the Thighs written on the back. And I'm pretty sure it cost in the area of $90 to $100, which was a fortune in 1986, 34 years ago. It, it still fits, though. He, and he did a really good job. It was that show where I bought every last bit of merchandise they had. And as I was walking away, I saw a bumper sticker that I missed. I said, oh, I didn't see that. And the guy literally picked it up, just handed it to me and said, here, just take it. Like, Go away, crazy lady. (laughs) That was probably the most obsessive point where I had everything that I could possibly get my hands on. In the late 80s, my best friend was a bartender at the legendary Button South. And she got word that Steven Tyler and Joe Perry were going to be coming to the bar to support a new band that was on the same label. The band had recently done a photo shoot where Steven wore a Chiquita banana sticker on his hand. And I definitely wanted to make sure he noticed me. So I had several on hand. I had spares. (laughs) Steven and Joe, they walk in, they sit down. Security was letting a few people go up to them, but I was terrified, petrified. What if security turned me away? What if Stephen and Joe were just like, eh? and I was just, I didn't want to be disappointed is what it was. And I, and I also by then realized that they were writing uh, rock on. That was what Stephen was writing to everybody. And I had like a different goal in mind. I know it sounds strange because he's sitting right there, at least go up and get that. But um, I wanted to stand out to be different. I wanted to be noticed by them. I wanted to, I knew who they were. I wanted them to know who I was. So my friend ended up getting the autograph for me on a cocktail napkin, and it reads, Kimba, rock on, Steven Tyler. And then Steven and Joe jumped on stage for a song or two. I know they sang a cover of the Beatles' I'm Down, which was on their permanent vacation CD that came out in 1987, so it had to be around that time. And of course, everyone's crowding the front of the stage, and I got as close as I could. 
luckily I am a bit on the side of tall. So when he started reaching over and slapping everybody's hand, I reached my arm out as far as I could with the Chiquita banana sticker on the back of my hand so he could see it. And he's slapping hands. It gets to mine. He stops. He sees the sticker. He grabs my hand with both of his and follows it up the arm to see who it's attached to. <laughs> and then he gives me this, his big Steven Tyler grin and gets back to it. So step one accomplished, get noticed. Okay. But I wanted more to paraphrase pretty woman. I wanted the fairy tale. Now I had all the merchandise and then the club thing happened in 87, probably early on. And then it was late 87. I was on the radio and I talked about them on the air constantly because well, we played them a lot, but that was my thing to talk about how much I loved Aerosmith like this. Kimbo, what's happening? Hey. What's doing tonight? Oh, what am I always doing? Playing Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah, that was from 1988. This one's from 1989. Kimba here, and what was the word? It was disgusting. I was called disgusting because I said, in my next life, I wanted to be Steve Tyler's harmonica. Well, number one, what I didn't tell you is in my previous life, I was a pair of his spandex, <laughs> a sweaty pair. <laughs> and number two, let's define the word disgusting, okay? Somebody called me earlier, works at a record store, and said that they caught somebody shoplifting an ABBA album. Now, that's, that's disgusting. And in 1990, my colleague, the late Mike Lyons, who I talk a bit about in, in radio broadcast episode eight, um, he called to let me know, left me a voicemail that Aerosmith's show had been announced. What are you talking about, Kimba? Aerosmith, coming April 22nd to the Miami Arena. Tickets go on sale this Saturday morning at 10 a.m. at our Ticketmaster outlet. The four candy bars named after baseball players, the Babe Ruth, the uh, Richie, uh, whatever that thing was called, also the Wade Boggs Bar, and of course... Oh, Henry, Frank Thank you very much. Good night. And then my other colleague, Tom Robinson, and I chatted about it. You heard about uh, Aerosmith tickets going on sale? That's right. Uh, this, coming, this coming Saturday. Anyway, guess who's on the line? That's right. It's the Kimba kid. Kimba, babe. Yeah. Well, you, you know that Aerosmith is coming to town April 22nd. I, I am now stapled to the Miami Arena right now. Well, son of a gun, that must be. Oh, you know how painful that can be, don't you? It can be quite painful, but I'm not moving until they get here. <laughs> And then a giveaway of tickets was centered around my obsession because everybody kind of played into it. It became the thing to do. And my colleague and Man Voices partner, Mitch Phillips, voiced this promo. Aerosmith is coming to town. And nobody had the information faster. And nobody could possibly be more excited. Totally But still, I've not met the band. Then... February 2nd, 1994, get a grip tour at the Miami Arena, and I am going to the meet and greet before the show. I'm finally going to meet Steven Tyler. To say I was excited? Hmm. I kept telling myself while waiting for the band to come in, don't faint. Please don't faint. If you're going to faint, faint after. Don't faint. <laughs> don't do anything stupid. And meet and greets in 1994 were very, very different than they are now. That whole Thing they do now where you if you if you've gone to a meet and greet probably in the past decade maybe it's been you stand in a line and then you go in they let you go one at a time or your group in and there's the band or artist standing there and you say hi and you take a picture and then you leave i know it's more time effective and they can make a little more money because they can get more people through that are willing to pay but in 1994 you were all in a room some room that was in the venue somewhere and freely standing around and then the band would come in and they'd go from person to person and they would, you know, usually sign something. And then you would usually do the picture with the band as you were leaving. You got a lot more quality time with the bands 
and the artist that way. But they don't do it that way usually anymore. So, so I'm standing there waiting. Doors open. Steven Tyler walks in, walks right up to me and says, hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so as he asks, he, he sees I'm wearing the shirt, by the way, that I had made in 86, the custom made shirt. And he says, is that supposed to be me? I said, yeah. And then he asked me my name so that he can sign my Get a Grip album cover poster. So while he's signing, you know, he puts my name and he's signing Love, Steven Tyler. I am talking to him and I said, you know, I always say that I'm going to be your harmonica in my next life. So I figured I should probably ask you if that's okay. Well, he was kind of busy signing and wasn't paying attention to what I said. And he said, so you, did you, you want one of my harmonicas? I said, no, I want to be your harmonica. He just, his mouth dropped open. I had actually rendered him speechless for a minute. Then he smiled, grabbed me by both my shoulders, pulled me in and kissed me right on the mouth and said, I love it. Ah. So now I'm standing there in shock. He moved on and was signing other people. And I'm just staring at him, watching him talk to other people, watching him sign other stuff. And he kept looking up at me and would smile and would wink. And he finally came back over and he added the word yum <laughs> on my poster. <laughs> Eventually, my feet started working again, and I made my way to other band members. And there were the program director and the record guy. Everyone knew how much I loved this band, and everyone was so – it was awesome because they were all so excited for me meeting them that they kept introducing me to the band members repeatedly to the point where Tom Hamilton finally looked at whoever was introducing me and, and said, we've met. Like, who, who is this girl, and why does everyone keep introducing me to her? And then I was standing between Tom Hamilton and Joe Perry, and I said, I have been waiting 20 years to meet you. And Joe gives me this weird look, and he says, how old are you? Which was actually a compliment, because he thought I was far too young to have waited to 20 years to do anything. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. And I have some audio from the day after the show. For the show last evening, I went back. I said, Stephen, in my next life, I wish to be your harmonica. Is, is that okay with you? And he replied... Wow, man, that's a hard question. But I would have to respond with a qualified yes. Oh, what a guy. Got a call. Did Steve Tyler really kiss you, Kimba? Yes, he did. So now I'm closer to my goal. I've met them. I didn't faint. Uh, a friend of mine was kind enough to give me their set list off the stage, so I got a little memento from that. I got the autograph. But he still really doesn't know who I am, so I'm like, I gotta work on that. We gotta, we gotta get that going. So I got an unexpected assist January 12th, 1996. Ocean Drive Magazine, they're celebrating their third anniversary. And a brief interview with me was in that issue. I mentioned in the interview about our meet and greet where I asked him if I could be his harmonica. So that's part of the little blurb in there. Apparently, my invite to the actual third anniversary party on South Beach somehow got lost in the mail. Steven Tyler, however, was at the party with his best friend, Richie Supa. Richie is a songwriter. He lives in South Florida. He wrote several songs with and for Aerosmith, Chip Away the Stone, Pink, Lightning Strikes, Amazing. He founded Recovery Unplugged, a music-based drug addiction treatment center that's here in Fort Lauderdale. So Stephen and Richie are at this party in 1996, and news stations are there covering the anniversary of the magazine. And reporter Pam Giganti got an on-camera interview with him. Stephen, tell us about uh, what's going on here in South Florida, why you're here tonight. Well, I'm down here doing an album over at Criteria Studios, 
Let's give it all away at once. Any other secrets you want to tell us? Not at the moment. What do you think about Ocean Drive magazine? I know that they did an article on my friend Richie Suba here, so I'm as pleased as punch. And there was uh, another gal that was interviewed who was in the magazine, Kimba. She's a DJ at a radio station here who said that she would uh, very much like to come back in another life as your harmonica. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Kimba. Are you kidding me? I will forever love that woman. In fact, I finally recently met her and told her that. <laughs> I will always love you for doing that. I don't even know if you remember. She said she did, but I, for you, she helped to further set up what you will hear in part two of this love letter, love cast to Aerosmith, Steven Tyler, just the power of music and what it can do and how dreams and goals can come true. You can see this and all the accoutrement at youtube.com slash her Kimba. Thank you for being one of Kimba's Heard, and thanks for listening to me, Kimba, radio broadcast, episode nine, Uncle Salty told me. Ciao. This Kimba's Salty.